You're listening to The Nerve, an English at WIT podcast. This semester, we are running a one-to-one series where I interview people whose work is important to the arts in Ireland. In this episode, I speak to Joanne McCarthy, one of the co-founders of Ireland's newest literary magazines, The Wax Lemon. As well as setting up the publication, Joanne is a poet and spoken word performer whose work has been published in The Stinging Fly, The Honest Ulsterman, The Bangor Literary Review and The Stony Thursday Book. Joanne writes in both English and Irish, has created video poems as well as written ones and has also published flash fiction. So, Joanne, we're saints, aren't we? Because we've just been through lots of technical (laughs) difficulties. It's the joys. We're just talking about the joys of Zoom and the joys of all this online business. But one thing that isn't online is The Waxed Lemon. It's an actual hard copy Mm. magazine. And you've just closed a call for submissions. Isn't it funny that in the midst of all of this, when we're online, 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 actually, Hard copy books have probably never been more popular. I know. Yeah. And it's fabulous. And so it's it's a great kind of selling point, I think, for, mm. for your magazine that it's that it is actually in hard copy and that there is such a thing as being sold out of it and things yeah. like that, which is <laughs> yeah. lovely. Um, so what was the response like to this call for submissions? Um, um, how terrified are you by the pile that you have to read now? <laughs> Um, hi, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, well, we were somebody said that we were retro in the wax lemon by having a print copy. <laughs> I was laughing at that. We're a bit dinosaurish. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, w- w- the response was really, really good to the second um, call for submissions. We had um, well over 150 people submit their work and um, I spent a few hours last week printing off a, like a tome of work that I have, I'm going to read through. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we had a lot of poetry submitted and that's where we started the reading. Um, I have, I think, I, I don't know, well, I, well over 100 poems there to work my way through. So that's, um, yeah, that's exciting. That's going to keep you really busy anyway. It'll keep you yeah. out of trouble for sure. And <laughs> yeah. out of those 150 submissions, Joanne, like how many typically do you publish in the magazine? So in the magazine, we'll have space for about 20 poems. Um, three maybe short stories and some flash fiction. We also published photography and art, so we had a good response to that as well. So it's yeah, it it's 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 quite competitive to get a space in it really because there's been such a good response to it. So that's tricky, you know. That's really tricky. And actually, it's been quite good for me as a writer to be at the other end of it because as a writer, I submit my poetry quite a lot. And uh, to be on the other side, I can see that it's actually quite a subjective process and that, you know, you might write a perfectly good poem, but it it mightn't fit in the magazine for that episode. Or you might write a poem about a particular subject, but there may happen to be three or four other people send in a poem about the same subject of the same magazine at the same time. So, you know, there are so many reasons why your poem wouldn't be accepted. So it was it's actually quite good for me as a writer to see the other side as well. Yes, quite good. And tell us about that process, actually, you know, like, say, do you like, would you ever kind of be worried about the fact that, oh, God, well, actually, I know this person who has submitted. And then, you know, like, how do journals, literary journals uh, mitigate against that, that kind of, I suppose, danger of people being published for one reason or another, you know, in terms of how how good their work might be or not be, as in who gets 
to decide, I suppose, is the, yeah. is the question that I'm asking. So I know it's you and Derek Flynn who mm-hmm. run the, the magazine. And so how do you create a shortlist between you? Yeah, so the way we work is we both read at the same time and we pick um, uh, an area that we're reading in. So at the moment we're reading poetry. So um, we read at the same time and we fix the time that we come together and we have a short list. And then we have readers, external readers. Oh, I should say that we, I, we, when I print off all my all the uh, submissions, they're blind, you know, they come as attached documents that people send me. So I print them off in one big like run. So I have like an absolute stash in front of me. Um, so, and then I segregate them into their different sections and then work my way through that. And when we send them to our external readers, they're sent blind as well. We'll send a document with all the runners in it. So our external readers will read them as as well so then between myself and Derek and the external readers we come to a decision on the, on the work that we think is best suited for the edition so it's it's a team and, and it's thankfully because it would be too much for one person anyway or even two um, and also there is the potential that it could be very subjective so we're trying to be you know this, this is the process we've come up with we're trying to be to handle it as well as we can um, yeah that's really good for people to get an insight, I think, into kind of what goes on in the back room, you know, what goes yeah. on behind the scenes. Yeah. And as a writer yourself then, and I know you're interested in the workings of it all, but how did you come to that decision to set up a literary journal? Because God uh, knows it must be a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, I've been writing. Well, I've been writing for a long time and I've been in Waterford in kind of the Waterford writing scene for a long time as well. And it had come and gone in my mind. First of all, I love literary journals and I love to read them and I subscribe them in the way that other people might I don't know script other things I love seeing them coming in the post um I'm excited for the next uh, ones um some I've subscribed to over the years and I've stopped because they've lost my, my love but other ones like um the math or um poetry Ireland review or um uh, the singing fly like I love seeing them come when they come in the door that's my treat it's all it always has been and I've always thought it was really sad that there's nobody that there wasn't anything like that here in this side of the country and then also I thought that there were loads of writing groups in Waterford and there are like in the city and, you know, in the county in Shemore and out to the west, there are loads of great writing groups and they're all, uh, many of them have fine anthologies published. But then there was no kind of space, like a collective space for people to showcase their work outside of their groups, unless they were going out and doing their own um, books which was fine too. But I thought that there was a gap in the market that, that we needed kind of a collective space where people could put in their work and, you know, and that it would be available in the book centre and that it would be available in the shops and that, you know, that people could reach, uh, writers could reach a readership, um, a local readership or have a sense of a community that they're more than the little group that they're in or the big group that they're in, but that they're still outside, that there's a bigger community and that they're part of it. And that would also be for people who write um, in isolation as well, because many writers do. So I kind of had that idea and I was, it came and went along a lot of times, but one day um, it was 2019, I was sitting at the um, Waterford Poetry Prize, um, Grace Wells was speaking and she was presenting the prize to Noel Howley, who's a local poet. And I just said this, you know, the, the room was packed. It was full of great writers, like all these fabulous writers. And I just thought, you know, we, we need something. We really do. And um, I was talking to Derek about it one day and he was like, oh yeah. Let's do it. Come on, we'll do it. <laughs> so thankfully, um, Creative Waterford, we, we pitched it to them and they took it on board, Creative Waterford, and they supported us for the first one. And then um, we went to the Waterford Arts Council and they're supporting us for the second one. So that's where we are with it right now. Fantastic. And does that mean that for each um, for each edition, you, you need to go and find a new kind of sponsor to help you through? That's really tough. 
Yeah, yeah, it is because the the cost of printing is quite high, and uh, we weren't really selling it for profit because you know we we didn't we, that was that wasn't what we were at. So um, yeah, we did. We needed some spot, some something just to get us going, to get it printed, and to do all fund the various costs. So yeah, we're delighted that the World of Arts Council came on board now for the next one. So hopefully, all will go well. Fantastic. So you are a very busy person because mm. I think I'm right in saying you're a teacher as well in a Gael school. That's right. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, how on earth are you finding time for all this just <laughs> on a basic level? You know, a lot of people, you hear of some people wondering how they're going to fill their time in lockdown. <laughs> and for you, it's you're trying to carve out time. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think I'm any different to anybody else, you know, any other writer. <clears throat> excuse me. Do you know, we're all just trying to balance our time Um balance our time between work and family and writing and I'm no different to anybody else you know um in an ideal world we won't have to work but uh, as any writer will tell you you're not going to feed yourself or pay the rent on um on the money that you make from writing and much less from poetry because there's no money in poetry at all <laughs> so <laughs> but I do um I work part-time a week on a week off so that helps um and uh, I like I love working in the Gale School it's a really great place to work so that's, that helps as well. And it also helps with your Irish, doesn't it? Because I suppose mm. y- you have mentioned before that you, you didn't grow up speaking Irish, but you now write in Irish as well as writing in English and you teach in Irish, of course. Um, so do you find that there are certain poems that, that just lend themselves better to being you know written in Irish than they do in English? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some just come to me in Irish, but Sometimes it, it can have something to do with what I'm reading or what I'm writing or what I'm listening to. Like if I'm, you know, listening to Reading the or if I'm watching something in Teach Care or if I'm reading, um, reading something in Irish, um, then sometimes there will be phrases or ideas that will formulate there and then those will become Irish poems. Um, or if I go to workshops in Irish, which I do sometimes, um, that will that will bring an Irish poem out of me. I, I, like it kind of needs a bit of nurturing. I need to put myself into a place where I'm accessing the language outside of work, a creative place. So that helps. Um, recently, I did a, a workshop with um, Mankin Magan and um, he was doing about um, Dukas, you know, the folklore project. Um, it was a school's folklore project from the 1930s that where the children were sent around to collect the stories from their areas. And um, they have currently a method on um, on the internet where they have all these um, handwritten notes up of, that the children submitted and they were collected they're looking for volunteers to type them out. And most of them, I think about 80% of them are typed at this stage, but some of them aren't. And a lot of the ones that aren't still, I guess, are in Irish. So I went back to my home place and I looked up to see if that had been typed up and it wasn't. So I started typing it up in Irish. But it was really good for me because it brought me back to my townland where I grew up and where my father's family all are and, and my mother's family. And um, I started when I was writing down, the headmaster had written it out in this beautiful old Irish. And I was writing down, you know, the names of the townlands and the folklore associated with it and of course like that spilled over into my own writing because it was just you know it was where my brain was at where where I was thinking and um, it fed into it so yeah some of some of the poems come to me in Irish but like that I have to put myself in the way of it as well you know just 
That's such a lovely way of putting yourself in the way of it, though, isn't it? That sounds beautiful, really, finding this this lovely old Irish. Fabulous. Um, The other thing that I noticed about the poems that I've read or that I've heard you read online is that they were quite short. And I I was just wondering whether you were drawn to to kind of shorter lyric poems or and and sonnets, because I know you write those. But um, are you drawn to those? And if you are, are you drawn to them for a particular reason? Or do you sometimes write Beowulf type long epic? works (laughs) no No, I think I like prefer privacy (laughs) in my epic things so yeah on 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 the most for the most part the the poems are are relatively short I do have longer ones um um some of the poems I have poems in Irish language um, magazine core this month and they're they're longer so um not always short okay interesting so you, you you like mixing it up and um one of those poems that that mm-hmm. I enjoyed um, was unhousing. I was wondering, like, I know you were you were open to the idea of maybe reading a couple of poems. And this was one of the ones that I suggested. And then you were going to read a surprise poem that I think you're going to <laughs> select. But um, <laughs> so unhousing was published in the Honest Ulsterman. Um, and I was just wondering if you might read it. I think it's something that really might resonate with people in the middle of yeah. lockdown. Sure thing. Um, Okay, this is unhousing. Unhousing. When I knew the kitchen could not contain the two of us, I took to slipping out to other tasks about our tiny house, to bedclothes and laundry. Time and again, I laced shoes to pound roads, lost in headphones, in Beckett Plays, the Poetry Podcast, in Blind Boy and the Guilty Feminist, in Anne Sexton singing Into My Bones. When I knew for sure the kitchen could not contain the two of us, I left pink walls that were not pink. I left songs in concrete cavity blocks. I left the coffee pot brewing beans. I left the last chord of all my tether in the kitchen, in the heat. I just love that poem. I just think, you know, that idea of the house not being able for two people or the room not being able, you know, to withstand the pressure of two people in the same space for such a long time. It works so well. And um, I wonder, you know, how much of that poem came to you like while you were out pounding the roads, maybe in anger, maybe in regret. I don't know what. But, you know, that escape from the four walls, was that something that kind of came to you in the house surrounded by your kids and surrounded by your family or was it something that happened you know as you were outside away from it I probably came to me when I was outside and um, I have been known to stop mid-walk to write things in my phone or to write things down because they've come to me um, and I do find that I have to balance it when I go for my walks sometimes I want to listen to podcasts and I love listening to podcasts um, just for escapism but sometimes I need the quiet and in the quiet, my ideas can formulate and then, you know, I can get catch them or, or just not even just need, need the peace. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure where that what where that started, that poem, but it's very real. Uh, and maybe that comes across in the poem. <laughs> it's very real. I definitely was listening to those podcasts and those sentiments were very real at the time I wrote them. <laughs> yeah. And you feel that you feel that when you're listening. And so it, there's another poem. There's another one that you want to read, Joanne. Which one did yeah. you select and, and why did you select um, it? I might pick um, 
um, Chuck Sloan, it's a safe landing. Um, that one was um, published last year um, and I wrote, um, this was just about um, one of my children, uh, a good bit, and that's obviously going to spill into my poetry. So um, um, I might start with the translation first. Safe landing. Crocodiles lay eggs, eggs, the youngest lad cries. His eyebrows raised so high, I can't say a word about the origin of Steggy, the dinosaur who groans all day long in the toy room. Nor can I tell him the moon is no lone wolf. She has kin all over the galaxy, constellation cousins and meteorite sisters. Because how could I speak about the Ch Chuxalub impactor, that black sheep who murdered Steggy's kind? How did they come out of the eggs, ma'am? With sharp little teeth, I answer. And someday we'll go to Mexico. There's a hole in the ground waiting for you. Axascala, um, Taxlon. Baron Krugel, Ivica, Ivica, a skirt in a mach and lad is oiga, a volley co ordeha, knock fatal and fuckal a row though, free steggy on dinosaur, a gionol, gajos, the shomer brigon. No one tli knock mock tira ainerachi and galach, guiljafurica, ke er fod in a rail tree, call kaharica in a rail tree, call sheshrica in a dragita. Conisca ensured though when chicks love and pactor and Kalinak shin or varig winter steggy illig. Conisca dark and she'd mock slone as a mlaeskavan. La fiecla bioga gara a ragrim. August. Ryami log a Mexico. Topalz the Taliban. Cahin e has bontit. Very good. Thanks, Joanne. And it, it, it just sounds, I mean, my Irish is horrendous anyway, but it just does sound like such a magical thing in, in Irish, you know, it really does. And so, you know, with a poem like that, you know, how important is it for you to get your poetry published in literary journals? Is it something that you strive for or is it something that is just a bit of a cherry on the cake, you know? Okay, yeah. Well, I was I was at um, a talk this morning with Paula Meehan and Paula was saying, um, you know, work on your craft, work on your craft and don't worry about sending it off. Put all your, not, not put all, but put your focus on your craft and the, ex, the rest is extra. And I really understand why she says that because um, it, it is the thing that you need to put your energy into, your work and putting it in, your work, work into magazines and, and journals and all that, it takes quite a lot of time and it's a lot of admin and it takes a lot of, uh, you know, energy as well. So um, for me, I have to be careful that if I have a certain amount of time that I manage my time well and that I put my time into the work and if I have extra time, I can send it off. Um, it's a bit, a bit of balance as well. You do have to, if, if you want to establish your name or if you want to, Put your work out there you, you do have to put energy into that as well um so it's tough um i don't know i don't know i, I i'm working at it <laughs> oh yeah absolutely well it, you know hopefully the two things can coexist as well you know it's nice when yeah. that can happen um and so yeah. i know that the wax lemon comes out twice a year um so what would be your advice just coming back to the wax lemon i suppose to, to round up um mm. What would be your advice for people who want to submit something to the journal? And I know that you have poetry, flash fiction, short stories, art and photography in the journal. Um, and so, yeah, would you have kind of certain tips for people before they submit something? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I suppose the number one thing is stick to the guidelines. Every literary journal has guidelines and to read the, the journal guidelines and to submit like that because we had a limit of 30 lines on um poems and some people sent us epic poems and you know we had said we weren't publishing that and you know just to get refused on something so small as that it's really hard for the writer you know so look at the and just to take care with your work and make sure it's the best it can be and maybe find somebody else to read it for you or find a writing group that you will share it with so that the very first thing that doesn't happen to it is it's sent off to a journal at least expose it to somebody else so that you know you've had some feedback on it and um so that your work can be the best that it can be and um I had I, I was thinking about this um some pitfalls to avoid in in the um the poetry and uh, sometimes you know people tend to put some language that might be a bit archaic into language into their poems like you know I was walking down the the road and hark there was a you know bird or something like that. you know so the words people can you know if they could try and use the words that they normally use that they use in their everyday conversation and try to make or to make a fit with the rest of the poem um things like inverted sentences. People have a tendency to do that in poetry, but just obviously these are the pitfalls that people can fall into. But all of that sort of stuff and the technique and the craft is something that you, you do learn if you go through workshops or if you do um, go to writing groups. And, um, you know, even if you're not a social person and you don't want to go meet your local writing group, there are plenty of things online. Um, I actually prefer to go to online workshops myself. It just suits me better. So, you know, you can look these things up online. And if you are beginning in your writing uh, career, you know, keep writing. Um, and, you know, writing is great. It's great for you. And uh, you know, it's great to get things on the page. So, um, yes, do send us your work. We'd be delighted to receive it. Um, yeah. And don't. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, don't be shy. <laughs> send it out. I feel like you're talking to me there, Joanne. <laughs> I maybe maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> You'll well, be sorry then. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I have a, a, a quick fire round for you now. So just short, you know, reactions, I guess, to some of these questions. Um, see how you get on. Nothing too difficult. They're all about you. That's the main thing. Um, and your attitudes and, and thoughts. So um, just some a few qu quick questions. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> and I guess I am a teacher. So <laughs> <laughs> dreams really do come true. <laughs> fantastic the best thing the best thing about writing poetry is uh, freedom you can be whoever you want to be you can write whatever you want you can absolutely totally escape um, poems don't have to be true you know you can just you have the freedom to do things and to say things there you know it's, it's great escapism it really is lovely um, how would you best describe the feeling of starting to write a new poem oh it's like an itch or a scratch, something that just won't go away. This idea that like hovers around and nothing will do you once you have it on the page. And then at the, at Paul Amin said this morning, it can take 20 years for some poems to be written. Uh, that idea that like, you know, it, just because you get the first bit down doesn't mean it's done. Uh, you might have to come back to it a lot or, you know, it might be it might be a whole philosophy that you have on life or something. And, you know, it's a big deal in those words. So, you, you know, you can come back to it. It will torture you for a while. That's a good sign of a good poem. It's torturing you. Brilliant. An itch that needs to be scratched. I love it. Um, in your writing, what constitutes a good day? I try to get an hour, uh, you know, in the office or uh, the office uh, or spare room. Um, I normally write when the kids are in bed or I might get an hour in the middle of the day. And um, at the moment, my head is at editing, tidying up. I have lots of things started, so I'm trying to organise them 
at the moment, if I get any editing or organising done, I'm happy one. And because you're so busy, what is the main thing that motivates you and keeps you writing? Um, I think I have to write. I don't have a choice about it like I want to write. It's it's probably my out. It's my thing. You know, people, some people love sport. I just love to write. I love, and I love to read. I really love to read. So it's a combination of both of those. I just, I, I have no choice about it. I just have to. Yeah. <laughs> It's an impulse. Brilliant. Yeah. And what keeps you awake at night? Um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, rats. We I found a rat in the garden about a year and a half ago. A year and a half. But do you think I'd be over it by now? No. Nope. <laughs> Every now and then I'd hear a noise and I'd be like, what's that noise? <laughs> I, I just can't like, uh, my poor husband is demented. He's like, you know, there's nothing there. It's all in your head. And I'm like, I know, but <laughs> it's still there. Fear. Oh, that's a great answer. Um, whose yeah. reviews mean the most to you, friends, family or critics? I don't know. I don't know. Do I write to be reviewed? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. Um, I don't think my family really get why I write or why. <laughs> um, friends, maybe. Yeah, writery friends, I'd say probably the most. You know. OK, and then what's the phrase that best sums up your approach to life? Oh, just be yourself. And don't worry about anybody else, really. And my dad always says when I'm complaining, you know, the kids are young and the days were really hard. My dad always says, um, ah, the, day, the days are long, but the years are short. Uh, and, you know, that resonates with me a lot. Yeah, the days can be long sometimes when things are hard. But, you know, the years are short, so to just enjoy it, you know, enjoy it. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Joanne. I know you have carved out some time for us when you are such a busy person and I really appreciate it. And best of luck with your own writing and best of luck with the selection process for the Wax Lemon as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jay. Thank you for having me on. 